Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial pursuit, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. If you want to know more about this program or this podcast or want to get barraged by a lot of annoying pop-ups, check out our website, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Yeah, buddy. Happy Thursday morning. This is the Lifestyle Business Podcast, where me and my co-host believe building a business is the best way to get more personal freedom and opportunity in your life. Speaking of the aforementioned co-hostess with the most, as I am joined today by Ian in San Diego, a man who takes his coffee with a cold call. Oh, it's a lie, good sir. I do not drink coffee. Where are our fact checkers on this show? <laughs> if you guys stick around to the end of the episode, Ian and I are going to share with you uh, some insights into the imagination economy and eight other predictions for 2013. But first, let's talk some news. And we got an iTunes review saying this podcast provides just as much value as the LBP. Confused? Yeah. What podcasts are they talking about? <laughs> We're talking about Tropical Talk Radio. That gets published every Friday afternoon. Also, a five-star podcast, it turns out. All right. Some news. I just got back from a quick trip to the philippines wow super jealous man i was just thinking the other day about the philippines actually and what a good time we had over there uh geez spent the better part of this year i guess in the philippines right for you i know i spent like three or four months there yeah you know um met some met some friends and uh wanted to time my visa run so that i could spend the holidays here in uh, bali with you so you know it's one of the kind of the expat realities is timing out those visa runs so i did a last minute quick visa run and a part of that is we're going to be working on our virtual tropical mba university here together over the new year's break so i'm really looking forward i mean we're basically going to do the old hot box thing like two three days you know 12 hour days pumping out that virtual online course and basically what that's going to be is uh, it's going to be everything we developed over the summer in the Philippines, you know, in person with our students that we charge $2,000 for. We're going to put it on our website for free. Do you still drink Diet Coke? <laughs> you know what? I've, I've been into some of these like $2,000 products, Ian, and I'm telling you, what we're going to put out in January is going to be better than all of these $2,000 products, and we're not going to charge anybody anything for it because we're just going to try to share some of the love. That's yeah, buddy. We're going to drop some knowledge bombs. I like doing <laughs> it for free. It's going to be a lot of fun. I just like doing stuff that other people aren't doing. Like if other people are charging for information, I don't want to charge for information. That's why I think this is so fun. Very cool. Uh, let's do some quick news updates, Ian, because we've got a lot of stuff going on. Um, one of the things is uh, we're going to close the DC for a while. Uh, we have so many new members that I think our onboarding process fell a little bit behind. So if you want to get in the DC, I think the final date's like next Saturday. So we're just going to close it for a while. And we're going to focus on delivering more value to the members that are already in there. It's over 450 members right now. So it's quite a few people. And uh, we're doing a lot of new things in there that's going to deliver you know, more value, more people. We can invest more money into it. Totally. I just uh, looked at the members page the other day. There's like a little tab and you can just click on it and see everybody's pretty face. And uh, I did it the other day and I was like, oh crap, I haven't met and I don't know some of these people in there. And like back in the other days, it was like, the whole page was like, yep, hung out with him, had beers with him, talked to him on the phone. And so I think it's important <laughs> that uh, that we get back to our roots. 
Cool. And uh, speaking of uh, roots, you know, one of the things I've been passionate about for a long time is writing, Ian. Thousand day principle. It looks like we're going to be able to ship that by uh, January 1. That's the goal. So we've got a small little group of beta readers pulled together. You're going to be one of them. So Sunday evening's my deadline. So speaking of knowledge bombs, I feel like that's like a man. If you want to be like sort of humiliated by yourself and like stare yourself in the mirror and just be like, man, I am ugly and stupid. Write a book. A couple quick DC things. Um, we're thinking about doing a resort meetup in the Philippines in March. We're thinking about renting out a whole resort and just doing a hot weekend. So other thing about DC, if you're if you're into the location independent entrepreneurship scene and you're a European, you hang out in Europe. We're thinking about well, we're definitely going to do something in either Germany or Czechoslovakia or the Czech Republic uh, in April. Yeah, I just got back from the um, from DC SoCal, so we had a good meetup here which was uh, one of few meetups that we actually do in the United States. We, we make it really tough for people that, that want to go to a meetup to, to do that in the United States. So had a good meetup here in, uh, in SoCal. But yeah, definitely looking forward to um, planning out a Euro meetup potentially. And then again, Bangkok at the end of the year. And that's going to come up faster than we think. I was just listening to um, Startups for the Rest of Us. And, uh, and uh, those guys were talking about uh, their conference and how they think they're going to do it in Las Vegas again. This stuff just keeps coming up so fast. Yeah, no question. We are going to be doing officially in October, we're going to be doing the annual DC Bash in Bangkok, and it's going to be bigger, badder, better. Cool. Are you ready for some meat and potatoes, sir? Oh, yeah, I'm starving. This one's called The Imagination Economy and Eight Other Predictions for 2013. I want to give a quick hat tip to DC or Matt Kress, who uh, posted a, the... Kleiner Perkins, Caulfield and Byers, sort of uh, their sort of state of the union address of 2012 and where all the trends are going. This is one of these classic corporate reports to, you know, sort of outline, you know, what the numbers are saying. And there's a lot of fascinating stuff in here. So as a backdrop to this podcast, it's worth going to this, this post. It's, it's episode 132 and checking out this SlideShare presentation as we talk about some of these trends. So you're going to get started with number one. Um, number one, I want to point us to the original gangster marketer, Seth Godin. And while I was walking around Manila the other day, Ian, I listened to this great episode of him on the copy blogger, internet marketing for smart people podcast. So we will link C over to that. And I think the world that Seth Godin has been laying out across his books over the last decade is we are more solidly in his world than ever before. I mean, this guy is well ahead of his time in what he's talking about. And this is in particular important if you're starting a new aspect of your business, if you're figuring out a new strategic operating plan, or if you're just getting started. I think doubling down on some of the predictions that Seth Godin is making is really critical. Well, here's basically what he's saying. He's saying, look, manufacturing is easy. Getting shelf space is easy. You know, back when we started manufacturing, Ian, you used to have to send faxes to China. And now you can, uh, you know, go back of the napkin style or do a Google SketchUp and send it over Matt Kowalik and the guy's going to give you a price in a couple of days. Yeah, it was also like nobody else. You, you, it was really hard to talk to other people that were manufacturing too because nobody was sharing the information. Exactly. It was like this big opaque world. Now, you know, you get in a dynamite circle and there's a bunch of people. Oh, yeah, I make, uh, you know, skysig.uk or oh, yeah, I make I'm a professional sourcing guy. Or, oh, yeah. I mean, we're all, you know, able to interconnect with each other now. The other thing that's easy is shelf space, Ian. Anybody can put up an e-commerce store, put your product out on Google product feeds, 
um, you know, uh, put your product up on Amazon. I was just talking to Tommy Schultz, who's doing a new jewelry store. You know, in the last two days, made four or five sales of a brand new piece of jewelry on from Amazon and Etsy, and you know, he's bringing people into his mailing list through these uh, Pinterest and stuff like this. And it's like, you know, shelf space is easy. So all of these things that used to be difficult for us to get, you know, now are in abundance. So what is the one thing? And that is attention. Attention is all that counts. And so the, the question that's, that's begged here is, when do you start marketing your products? And the answer is right now. Because the most important thing that you need to determine is what's gonna get people's attention. What's gonna earn um, people's time for them to look at what you're doing? Yeah, it's a good point. I was just having an internal conversation with uh, our boy Alistair today about some new product that we got coming out. And uh, it's not going to be here for three or four months. You know, it's coming from China. And so we were having a debate back and forth about when should we start telling our customers about this product, yada, yada, yada. And I said, like, tomorrow, today, right now, um, because uh, you have to engage them because, you, I mean, your customers are the reason you're producing these products, right? That sounds pretty obvious. Um, but really, I mean, they're the people that we need to get feedback from. We need to start a conversation now about what's going on. We are not Nike. We can't just drop the new Air Jordans and have them sell out. You know, we just don't have that kind of pull as a, as niche marketers in these in these smaller markets. Yeah, and when you you can think about this if you're an information marketer as well. You know, a lot of people take this attitude, Ian, where it's like, hey, I created this blog post. Now, how can I shove it down people's throats? You know, like, and it's one thing to like put up all your stuff. You know, you obviously want to share your goods, but you also want to listen. I mean, if people aren't, um, you know, greedily taking in your content and following up on the suggestions that you make or taking calls to action, like giving you a phone call or writing you an email, that's not a sign for you to put that out on the next social network or to send another email about it, right? It's a sign that whatever you're talking about isn't earning their attention. And as a marketer, as an entrepreneur in 2013, it's right there that you need to be focused because everything else you can get a, you're a couple clicks away. It's that attention and it's those people who master getting attention that are going to build the successful businesses in 2013. Yeah, buddy. By the way, this applies to Kickstarter too. We were talking about Kickstarter. Just does it. Kickstarter, 2013, Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kickstarter, yeah, in, in that... They provide a platform. Actually, Kickstarter is the audience. That's the interesting part about Kickstarter, right? So they've like they figured out a way to build an audience to stare at a bunch of random products and you know support your cause or whatever. So Kickstarter is all about the audience. Absolutely. And number two, let's talk about the imagination economy. And this is a thought derived from Ron Davidson books, The Fourth Economy. It basically, says there's a fundamental shift happening underneath our feet right now. You know. Businesses way back in the day used to be limited by land. Well, then uh, we took care of that problem by instituting countries and organizing land. And then, then it was capital, Ian. Then it was once the rise of the corporation and everything, it became knowledge workers. How do we get enough educated people into our companies in order to expand these things? Well, obviously, that's not a problem now because you can find experts anywhere all across the world that work for your company. So what is the limiting factor? And it's imagination. It's who are the people who can tie all of these immense abundances? You know, Ian, if you need a $10,000 loan or a $100,000 loan, that's not that hard to come by these days. If you need an office space, not hard. If you need 10 employees, not hard. So what's hard? Imagination economy. And I think as entrepreneurs, that's where we need to focus, you know. What is the limited constraining 
thing. And, and I believe that's imagination in 2013. Hey, and if you tie that together with imagining how to get an audience built, that, that would be pretty good. <laughs> so one plus two equals point number three. We believe 2013 will see the rise of niche productized managed services, community, and software products. Yes, down with the PR firm, down with the web design firm, down with the SEO firm or the general business marketing consultant. What you are, you know, what's going to happen in 2013 is that people are going to have greater transparencies. They're going to be able to see precisely, you know, the products and services that you're offering and they're going to want to buy them off the shelf from you. I think a lot of this has to do with this attention issue, Ian, because look, if back maybe in 2005, you could be a marketing consultant and like tell me all this cool stuff I needed to do and then I go implement it in my business, right? Well, in 2012, I just want to buy it off the shelf from you because I don't have the time and attention. All I need to do is be educated on why that off the shelf solution. I need an autoresponder, right? So I don't want a course that teaches me how to do autoresponders. I want to buy an autoresponder off the shelf and modulate, plug that modular element right into my business. Yeah, buddy. And this has to do with, um, with, with just the way that information flows these days too. And I think like we talked, we, like we just talked about, you know, information flows a lot differently these days. And it's so easy to get access to the information. It's like, why would I hire a PR firm when I know what I need is press releases. I need some SEO. I need some videos. Exactly. That's the whole thing. We're not short of knowledge. We're, we're short of the imagination, which is how does one apply that in one's business? This is why James Shramko, I mean, we're, we, we know we have these many little love affairs of different entrepreneurs along the way. We're talking a lot with James. And part of the reason that James's business is so successful is that he does all the imaginating for you, right? Because he's like, look, this works. It works for me. You don't need to think about it too much. All you need to do is buy the solution off the shelf from me. And so if you're a web design firm and you don't have a buy now button on your site, you are crazy in 2013. You need to have, here is the best freaking WordPress setup. It's got a Ning backend. It's got this kind of logo. It's got this kind of converting opt-in bait and you buy it from me for 597. That's how this works. I did all the imagination for you because I know that in 2013, or in the imagination economy, and you guys are short on that. So I'm going to sell it to you. <laughs> That's right. And uh, when James Shramko does that for you, he uh, he does it in that sexy Australian accent too. So you can't help but buy it. Like it's basically it's like the <laughs> it's like the best accent ever. That in the British accent, it's like oh the BBC is is talking to me. I I must buy that product. <laughs> yeah, good idea. All right, Taylor, please drop the way James Shramko says business into this podcast right now. Business. Now that is, sounds way sexier than the way anybody I know says business. All right. I say business is worth like $10. Shramko says it's like $97. No doubt. <laughs> Number four, ebooks are dead. Not really dead, but like Microsoft dead. You know how Microsoft is sort of like they're becoming less relevant. Like I was talking to my friend the other day. They still do this thing where they forward each other's spreadsheets. So there's like a 60 person multi-million dollar business. They forward each other's spreadsheets um, in Outlook. And then they categorize their emails in folders. And out. it's like, it's really like watching banks move money around in donkey carts. It's like, come on, guys. You know? <laughs> this is such, a, such an outdated way to do things. And I think, you know, Ian, I do have this, this prejudice, like we're saying, selling information is getting more 
difficult, especially training information because of this very issue of attention. What we want to purchase in 2013 is not things that are going to take our time and attention, but things that are going to show us a way forward. And this is a little bit of the distinction we're talking about with podcasting and, and building communities versus making informative blog posts. If you build a podcast that does things like throws parties and events and, and has structured communities that you can be a part of, that's imagination. That's vision. That's something that saves you time rather than, oh, I'm going to spend $100 getting 100 DVDs from you and give me more crap to think about. Exactly. That's why these CD sets are, are totally done. And that's the reason why the ebooks are, if not completely dead, they're just barely breathing. And another way to look at imagination economy is to say that I think more than ever, people are looking to be a part of something that's going to help define their way forward in life, their trajectory. So, you know, I look at um, communities like the Dynamite Circle as actually replacing local newspapers. So I, I saw this, uh, my parents basically moved to the town next to where I grew up. And the interesting thing about it is they still get the local newspaper from the old town. And I thought that that was pretty fascinating, you know, because you want to feel like you're a part of something and that newspaper does dictate how you act and the kinds of things that you do. And I think that's the opportunity for online marketers is to really supply that imagination and that direction and vision and help people take the next steps. And it's not always going to be take the step into my product, you know. Yeah, and to be clear with these uh, these ebooks, it might not still be a bad idea to have a an ebook or an information product teaching you how to do something. But then, of course, offer me the service. Like, show me how to do it in front of my face, and then offer me the service um, that you're going to do it for me because I don't have enough time. Absolutely. Five. As precedent cases continue to mount up, as we continue to lose oxygen talking about it, and as monetization options continue to expand, arms races for many New York Times will begin to take off. That's right. We've been talking about this. You know, I wrote this blog post a while back, Ian called a lot of times, um, like business leaders, um, will bemoan the fact that, Oh, so-and-so is blogging and like they're misrepresenting the industry or so-and-so said X. Well, you know, um, if you're not out there publishing and giving counterpoint to that and putting out alternative views, you're not being a leader in that respect. And it's kind of this old adage, like, you know, people say, history is written by the victors, but that's not true, Ian. History is written by the people who took the time to write the history. And if you're not stepping up and being that market leader in terms of a publisher, then you deserve your fate. You deserve, you know, for all these other people to speak for you because you're not stepping up and, and saying that that's important to your business and to your future to be a part of that conversation. Yeah, totally. The other day I, I tweeted an example of the mini New York Times uh, site. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw it. It was great. I retweeted it, I think. Yeah, maybe Taylor RT, can dig that up retweet. and put it in the, uh, in the show notes. But uh, that was a really good example of somebody uh, taking an authority approach. And it was in a niche, of course, that you wouldn't expect. It was like, uh, I think it was uh, the service, the auto service industry. So they were talking about all kinds of things and, and tools and tips and tricks of being in the auto service industry. And it was a mini New York Times um, for that niche. And it was really cool to see that in action. Um, we've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks. Uh, that was probably the best example that I've come across. Number six, Ian, tropical workforce. Was it before its time? A lot of, I get a lot of emails about Tropical Workforce. For those of you guys that have been around with us for a while, Ian and I had a failed project 
Um, and there was a lot of successes that came of it. In fact, uh, we were just talking, you know, talking about Simon Payne, who works with Clay Collins, and they've got this amazing suite of products out under the brand name of Lead Bright. And I think they found each other through Tropical Workforce, and a lot of our friends have got jobs. Just hanging out with Ben down in Puerto Galera, who's living the dream right now because of Tropical Workforce. So, I mean, we did have some successes, but we had a hard time turning it into a business. Um, but I think the key thing here is that this concept, the four-hour workweek generation, people who don't want to, you know, work in cubicles who, you know, it's not about, um, for them it's about personal freedom for doing work that's meaningful and not just putting in time at a desk, um, for having results-oriented jobs, for being able to work for organizations that, you know, allow them to move real projects forward. But maybe, you know, for a lot of us, even more importantly, to be able to see the world a little bit, you know, to be able to travel a little bit and to not freaking have heart palpitations every time you got to make a dentist appointment. Yeah, that's one of the things that we tell everybody in our organization. It's like we don't have a vacation policy. And it's like I don't want to I don't want anybody to feel bad about having to go to the dentist or the barber or something like that. that I wish I could find this article. It must have been like 2 years ago, maybe even more during the recession. And I think this is a this is a prediction that I'm making too for 2013 is like people will care less about their income and, and more about the things that they're doing and the time that they're spending with their friends and their families. And essentially uh, this lady, she was making a hundred thousand dollars and her job got cut for whatever reason. She had to find another job, but at that hundred thousand dollar job, she was working something ridiculous, like 80 hours a week. Um, but anyway, she found another job and it paid about $50,000 a year and she only had to work 30, 35 hours a week. And she was like, you know what? This is awesome. She's like, I didn't realize what I was missing out on trying to chase that income. And I think no that's question. true with these uh, tropical workforce type people too. It's like, yeah, you're missing out on $100,000 a year the first couple of years. You're making uh, $1,500, $2,000 a month, but you're getting to travel the world. Yeah. And you know... I think the the wheels are getting greased for this kind of thing and people are seeing it and people are meeting these people and realizing that they're people just like you, people that want the same things you do, really smart, motivated people. You know, back when I was making 100 grand a year, Ian, uh, Brennan Tully just put up a job in uh, the Dynamite Circle and I think he like got blown out of the water by applications. And part of it is he's got a great reputation, right? Everybody wants to work for Brennan. But if a guy like Brennan would have came to me, and I'm talking to the audience out here, you know, the podcast listener, I want to get right into your eardrum about this thing. When I was making $100,000 a year, if someone would have came up to me and said, hey, buddy, if you work for me as my right-hand man, uh, I'll pay you $25,000 a year, but you get to be my right-hand man, and I don't care where and when you work. Boom. I would have dropped right the way back out of that desk. And I bet a lot of other people are just like me. That's right. And if you look down the line, and this does happen, eventually you make $100,000 or whatever your target is, the same amount that you would make in a job. And then you play a little game called the world's most interesting man or woman. And I'll tell you who's going to win that. (laughs) Hey, speaking of which, um, as a correlate to this, Ian, I've been really getting into Sam Carpenter's book, Work the System. And this whole remote employee thing really forces your hand with processes. And we're going to continue to talk a lot more about process-oriented strategies. But as a LBP primer, I recommend that you go out and get yourself Work the System. All right. uh, Number seven point, Ian, we are moving from an asset-heavy economy to an asset-light economy. I just want to mention this because it was in the Kleiner Perkins report. And... I mean, it was like a, a, 
like a bold face rewrite of everything the lifestyle design community has been talking about for the last four years, except in a corporate report. So it's worth it just for the comedy of it. But I also like the way that they restated it. You know, basically what they're talking about with asset light versus asset heavy is they're saying that people don't need stuff anymore. Like stuff is becoming less important. I thought this was, um, I thought this was the most interesting part of that report because it really relates to you and me. Right. And uh, I, I'm looking right down uh, at my wallet right now and I've got a car to go card and that's basically like a, it's a car sharing service, like a Uber car or whatever it's called in San Francisco. And in San Diego, there's like 200 of these little cars. and I just stick my card in there. I get in it and I drive away and it costs me $80, $100 a month at the most. That's what it costs you to rent your scooter, right? So in the United States, I have a fully functional car that I can drive around pretty much anywhere uh, that I need to go. And it only costs me $80 a month. And so now I no longer have the overhead of, uh, of owning a vehicle, which is pretty, pretty cool. And that's also asset heavy versus asset light. Yeah, and this is this is a, a historical trend. I mean, back in the day, Ian, you used to you used to literally put a river around your stuff, like that was the strategy back in the day. Yeah. A river, <laughs> and a, <laughs> you know what I mean. And then it became the estate, and then it became this, and and now it becomes. Um, I was in the mall the other day, and I was thinking, man, I could like buy almost anything in this mall. And I was like walking around, looking around and stuff. And I was like, there's nothing I want to buy in this mall. I can't think of anything that would make my life better because I got the best computer and I got the best phone and I've, I've got a pair of cutoff jean shorts. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait to see this. <laughs> number eight, the U.S. is the number 10 country in the world in regards to its national debt. We are in the top 10 with some such other notables as uh, some, some other financial superstars as Ireland and Greece. <laughs> so, and uh, also, you know, it's come out uh, quite clearly that both the FBI and the NSA monitor all of our emails. And, you know, I just think that this is, I don't think it's any like sky is falling kind of stuff, but I do think that international diversification is important. You know, you want to, as you grow your business and as you grow your lifestyle, you don't want to have all your eggs in one basket. And I think we're going to continue to see both for reasons of diversification, but also for reasons of necessity, we're going to see people continuing to internationally diversify. Um, and it's going to be, it's just an absolute massive flattening of the world and a massive growth market. And on top of that, man, Cebu Pacific, you look at one company like Cebu Pacific, how it's changing. They're, they're, you know, like it's very similar to AirAsia. AirAsia is based in Malaysia, Cebu Pacific based in Manila. And this is a company that's opening up the Philippines to the world. It's opening up the Philippines to Filipinos. And they're doing direct flights from Bali to Manila. I'm super pumped. <laughs> 20 bucks, nice. promo fare. And, you know, I was thinking about... Uh, like uh, I was, I was in Changi Airport the other day. Every time I go to uh, Singapore, I'm super pumped to hang out in the airport. And I'm just thinking, like the experience from flying in Asia, because when you fly two different budget airlines, you can't coordinate your layovers, so you have to, you know, manually coordinate it. They won't make sure that you get on the next plane, kind of thing. It's not really important. I was thinking, I never have missed a connection because flights aren't late in Asia, and there's not big lines in Asia, and Singapore Airport kicks ass. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> All right, so uh, maybe that's something of a trend for 2013. Anyway, hey, let's get moving on to just the tips. Sorry, about ready to hand in those beats or what? All right, so I got a good, I got a good tip for you. Um, so my buddy, he has one of these things. I, I don't know how to pronounce this. It's E O E I I O. 
I'm not sure if that's how it works. Anyways, it's a little amplifier, and it's about the size of a uh, of a matchbox. And so he's got a pair of uh, headphones. I can't remember. How do you say that brand? It starts with an S. I think it's Sennheiser. Sennheiser. He's got a set of Sennheisers. Uh, they're like $150. And they sound really good, but they don't have the drive that the Beats do. The Beats are like really bass heavy and they're really treble heavy. And they sound great. And part of the reason is because they have a built-in amplifier in them. Um, so his, they don't have that built-in amplifier, but for $20, you can buy this um, E6, I think is the one that he has, and it amplifies his headphones. So it essentially does what the Beats do, um, minus the noise canceling. Um, and I got to tell you, man, for $20, it's it sounds amazing. I mean, the quality is basically on par with the Beats. So if you're looking for a good way um, to step up the, uh, you know, how your headphones sound, uh, have them be on par with something like the Beats. Uh, for $20, you can buy these little amplifiers. And so, uh, yeah, little trick. Very cool. That's Sennheiser. I think it's Sennheiser. Sennheiser. Yeah, and I guess the final thought on that is like the amplifier in your uh, laptop, they're, it, they're pretty weak sauce. And so, yeah, if you can if you can get one of these things for twenty bucks, I actually uh, plopped down on the E7, which was sixty bucks. I'm gonna see how that works out. Um, but yeah, super pumped. I use them uh, with my earbuds too. By the way, that's the same reason that you shouldn't use, um, you know, direct audio inputs into your audio card for recording audio. You should use the USB. And it's the same reason when you get a new head unit for your old car, the speakers instantly sound better. I'm showing my age, aren't I? Yeah, totally. <laughs> Who cares about head units anymore? <laughs> I got a sweet new Alpine head unit, dude. Yeah, I asked somebody the other day. I go, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about getting a receiver uh, for for my dad's birthday. And they're like, oh, I don't even think they make those anymore. Like, nobody listens to the radio. I was like, oh. Hey, uh, you know, one of the things I had not really been using is Siri for transcription. And a lot of people have been murmuring about it. Quality fantastic and it's available natively on a lot of ios 6 apps um, so like evernote for example right next to the space key you can just click the little microphone and then start talking you can insert punctuation and everything so you can write entire blog posts in your email in your notepad function in in uh, evernote and i didn't even notice this like so this is something that you know if you normally use evernote they have a little microphone there that's for uh, just recording audio, but why would you do that when you could click the little Siri thing and then just record a transcription? Like a boss. All right, Ian, how about you do the music thingy today? Yeah, buddy, we're going to play out with some new jams here. I'll tell you what, Dan, I am sick and tired, sick and tired of waiting for Albert Hammond Jr. to come out with his new record. Although I'm sure it's going to be cool. He's been promising it since like 2000. Showing your age. Showing your age. Yeah, yeah man. I'm just I'm just done with these rock stars, man. I, I don't have any more room in my life for rock stars. I'm into the DJs now. I'm into whatever this new kind of music is. This is Flight Facilities Preview. All right, Ian. Well, thanks for joining me on the LBP. Always the best hour of my week. I'll see you next Thursday morning. Booyah. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything we do. It's true.